Kia ora. You are listening to The Mangafai Show with host Richard Edwards. Hello and welcome to the first episode of The Mangafai Show, a new podcast dedicated to the small seaside town I call home and have grown to love. The spectacular beaches, the hills, the clear air, and especially the people. I'm your host, Rich Edwards. You may know me as the loudmouth Mangarai driver, but my day job is as a writer, video producer, and kind of entry-level podcast host. I've lived here with my wife, Sally, uh, for going on five years, and we've begun to raise a family here. If you ever hear a noise in the background, it's likely to be our toddler Maeve, or perhaps one of our two snorting pug dogs. The podcast is my way of learning more about Mangafai. There are so many interesting stories here to explore, so many great chats to have. We've got a great one coming up in just a few minutes, but first we have a couple of regular features, just to keep you up to date with what's going on in our little community. It's time for the news. Right, so first we're going to check out the local headlines with Julia Wade of the Mangawai Focus. Thanks for joining us, Julia. Thanks for having me, Richard. So what's kind of the news around town at the moment? I understand there was quite a big vaccination event at the St. John's base recently. There was, through September on four different days. Over 300 people, I think, showed up and got vaccinated. And it also attracted a group from the Mangafai chapter of advocacy group Voices for Freedom as well. And I gather you spoke to a couple of them. I'm sure there's some varied views on vaccination around Mangawai, or there certainly seems to be. There does seem to be, yes. And I spoke to a member from Voices as well as a concerned parent about their issues and their views and where they were coming from, yes. And I gather you've got quite a detailed discussion around the issue in the paper where it's probably given a a bit more air than it is in what we can do in a few minutes here on the podcast. Yes, and there's also information from the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, as well as how to spot misinformation as well online. Now, on slightly different news, I gather that there has been an interesting art project underway in Mangawai. There was, Richard, yeah. It was quite fun to go and see a local artist, Nikki Everett. She's quite well known and she's very into printmaking and doing all sorts of things. And she (laughs) somehow engaged a heavy machinery, which is currently being used in the massive village roadworks, and to get a 10-ton roller to help her with printing out two-metre, I think it's a certain kind of bush that she had doing a whole print. And she wasn't able to do it at home on her own print press. So she managed to get the guys from the the roadworks to help her out with them. Yeah. (laughs) Something positive coming out of those roadworks. Yes, yeah. Oh, the roadworks are incredible. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a pain, but incredible. Yeah. It is. Progress is progress. And lastly, I gather you have a new columnist this issue. We do. Her name is Marissa Garou. I think I've pronounced it correctly. And she's a mindfulness expert. And she's talking about just ways on how to help people go from getting off the hamster wheel madness, she says, from going from doing to being and using things like taking time out and also to use acts of kindness on yourself and others to help center yourself and just to kind of get yourself grounded more off the hamster wheel. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much, Julia. So that's all on the latest issue of the Mangawai Focus. For, to get to that and uh, more great local news, visit uh, mangawaifocus.co.nz. What's on in Mangawai? So to find out what is going on around Mangafai at the moment, we are joined by Ruby Mitchell from the Kaipara District Council. Thanks for joining us, Ruby. 
Thank you, and kia ora everyone who is listening. So what is happening around uh, town at the moment that's worth checking out? I'm guessing things are fairly restricted by COVID uh, kind of rules and so forth. Yeah, we do have a little bit of that at the moment, and I guess community event organisers have uh, kind of got their plans on hold for the next couple of months to see how the restrictions are going to ease, but we can definitely got a couple of things coming up at the moment. We've got, from the Mungafai Museum, we've got their book month. Now, this is normally their Labour Weekend book fair but they have decided to extend this and it's going to start on the Thursday the 14th of October it's going to go all the way through till Wednesday the 10th of November so that's a good chunk of time to be able to go there and check out the books stock up on the bookshelf in time for summer and there's lots of yeah there'll be lots of reads and quality finds to check out and if the rain's anything like it is at the moment then a a good book's probably something uh, quite handy Yeah, for sure, for sure. But they've told us that the books are changing regularly and there's going to be hundreds available, so definitely get in there. And what else is going on uh, up at the museum? I guess there's another event on too? Yeah, yeah. So they've got their annual dinner and their auction. That's on Saturday the 20th of November. It starts at 6.30pm and it will be down at the Library Hall at Mangafai Village. You can buy the tickets for that in advance. They're $79 per person and they include, get this, a three-course meal and a drink and there'll be a cash bar and some fabulous local local auction items up for grabs. You need to go to the museum to get those tickets. You can give them a call on 09431 or drop in and do that. And if uh, anyone wants to get a little more information about either of those events, the best place to go, I guess, would be the museum website. You got it. So the Mangafai Museum website. Yeah. And just to look up other events that are going on around Mangafai, the Mangafai Business Association normally have a really good list of things on there. And yeah, we'll keep you informed of anything else. Fantastic. Thanks for joining us, Ruby. Oh, good. Have a good day, Richard. See you later. The core of each of your episodes is going to be a chat, an interview, a discussion, a sitting around with a cup of coffee or a, something a little stiffer and uh, a chatting about the people of this town. Sometimes it might be something a little more newsy and relevant. Sometimes it might be something a little musical, but uh, it's going to vary and, and I think they're going to be great. Now, our first chat is with Gareth and Anna Wilson from Brudas Collective. Now, many of you guys will have seen the, their path from a small little coffee booth in Wood Street into their large cafe down uh, hidden behind off Fagan Place. It's a, a really popular place for getting together in Mangawai. Their food and coffee is fantastic. I sat down uh, late on an afternoon with them to, to have a really good chat about their path there through the hospitality industry, Gareth's absolute love for coffee, and where they see the the town and the uh, entertainment uh, scene up in the heads going. Enjoy. Let's have a chat. Okay, so I'm going to ask this question, just to be a little bit cheeky before we start. We're in a cafe, but you're not drinking coffee. Tell us about what you're drinking. This afternoon is actually a Hennessy cognac. It's not something I normally drink, but I wanted a spirit on ice to drink, and that was what caught my attention. So here we are. And uh, we've got beautiful Thompson's whiskey. I'm drinking some water, but I think there's even the water's a bit special around here. <laughs> yeah, it's an alkaline water. Basically, you know, they say that you need to drink eight glasses of water a day. With this particular water, you can get away with four or five. It's um, how alkaline your body actually converts regular water, which is a neutral pH. Uh, to alkaline before it can be absorbed. So we're in your beautiful cafe here, uh, Anna and Gareth. Fantastic space. I think everyone in Mangawai must have been here so far, but you guys have obviously got a bit of a backstory. I guess that's the idea of the the Mangawai shows. We're trying to dig a bit into people's backstories. How did you get here? Because 
this place is a fantastic, nice beachy cafe. Your last place wasn't exactly the same. It was right in the middle of the city. You're correct, yes. We had a little nine square metre, just a coffee kiosk. It was just takeaway coffees with a few slices and a few bits of just grab food, really. Six metres long by one and a half metres wide. (laughs) A little nine square metres, which was great for us because it was... It was, I've been doing coffee for a long time and it was that time, uh, you know, we'd had a few jobs since coming back after traveling of the realization of like, perhaps we need to look at working for ourselves and that's what we decided to do. So we, you know, like wanted to dip our toes into the self-business venture and that was the perfect option for it. It's a good stepping stone. So, I mean, clearly from that and clearly from this, and, and you've got some amazing coffee infrastructure here, you, you clearly have a deep passion for coffee. I mean, where, where did that start? For me, I in my last year of high school, I was studying three music classes, drama, biology, maths and English. So I left halfway through my last year in high school, which was like your bursary year of like your university entrance. And there, was, there wasn't anything that I wanted to go to university for. So then I looked for other education in terms of like a universal college of learning and other things. And I found one that was at the time, I didn't know where I wanted to go with my life. I knew I wanted to travel. So I was like, hospitality, like is probably a good one to have so I can bounce around countries and, you know, there's people like to eat in every country. So that was the shoe And I did a, a, a cafe operations course that covered everything from how to be a head chef right down to how to clean dishes properly and, each, uh, each week they would set up the restaurant and all the students would participate in operating that restaurant. So one week you'd be the head chef, one week you'd be the dishy and, you know, the rest of it. But it was the coffee that really stood out for me and that I wanted to dig my teeth into. And at the time I was like, oh, sweet, I should have this nailed in a year or so and be a professional at it. And here we are almost 20 years later and I, I still get taught many lessons about the industry, and especially it's in terms of, you know, if you compare it to wine or other alcoholic beverages, the coffee industry is still very, very new and we borrow a lot of techniques and they're still evolving quite a lot. So I feel very grateful to be an industry that, you know, it, as much as I know, there's still twice a huge amount of what I don't know. And Anna, is your path quite as coffee focused? Definitely not. Yeah, I guess I finished school doing a whole bunch of art subjects, obviously English and maths as well, and then... It was just a natural kind of progression onto university. So there I studied graphic design, finished that degree up, and, yeah, I would just decide this is not the industry for me. I can't see myself in front of a desk. I just need to be around people. And I was pretty tired at the end of it as well, so I just wanted to get away overseas. That was always a, a passion and goal. And from there, I got a job um, at a restaurant or Tupper's restaurant called the Olive Shed. I did lie on my CV to get that job and just to get myself my foot in the door. And from there, loved it. It was a great way of meeting people and just, yeah, just kind of getting involved in the culture of the place that I was living. You guys met while you were traveling, is that? In the magical, magical place of Chamonix. So um, we both had a passion for snowboarding and yeah I never expected to meet a Kiwi on the other side of the world in France in a small little kind of town. I traveled to the other side of the world to meet another Kiwi. (laughs) The French are crazy man like they're very emotionally attached is probably the most politically correct way to say it. (laughs) When they're up they're up and when they're down they're down and so then bumping into Anna on a night out there it was so humbling and grounding and just it was really, really nice. And then obviously to be reassured of that 
great minds think alike and the rest is history really like it was yeah and it, the same with, I meet a bunch of friends and that that town in particular attracts such a high caliber of people like the people that you meet there have like climbed Everest and they've climbed that mountain peak several times and it's just such a wild energy of people there but also very humbling and humbling well. too yeah and and most cases like you go to some ski towns and there's a guy like up on the stage like yelling about and saying oh yeah we 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 hit that kicker and we did all that stuff right, right. but what you soon learn is actually it's the guy sitting quietly in the corner having a drink to himself he's the dude that you want to go have a chat to because he's got the stories to tell where was the step from the Newmarket Cafe up to Mangamai? We didn't know of Mangafire before we even, like, were in Auckland, but it was the longer, I mean, I never wanted to be in a, a franchise because I'd been, I'd worked for a friend that had was in a franchise and I saw the constraints and the problems that they had with being in a franchise of trying to be your own business owner, but you're not really because you have to conform to these constrictions of, you know, adhering to the, the franchise contract. And after two years, they changed hand a few times and just a few of the things that they wanted to implement from a business owner that had not been in hospitality, I found really hard to grasp with of just a few of the changes. And uh, I won't go into the details of that, but that was kind of the end of it. It was like, okay, we Almost need to... We'd, we'd outgrow it as well. We'd kind of learned what we could within that and it was just time to sell and move on. And I guess from there, we, we met Evan. That, that owns the Lumsden, which is the sister of... Evan, Evan of, King, yeah. Yep, Evan, Evan King, King, yeah. So it's yeah. a really good free house down on Broadway and Newmarket. Like, it's an establishment, like, just their, their rolling taps. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, yeah, it's banging. And he kind of took us under his wing a little bit and said, hey, look, like, you know, I can see you guys are great operators. Like, I've actually got... My world is spirits and beer, and I, I keep getting hassled. I've got a place up in Mangafire that... People kept hassling me for coffee, but I've got to be honest with you, I love drinking it, but I have I don't have any cares for it. And as, as much as I know about beer and spirits, I'm sure there's the same for coffee and I don't have the capacity to dive into that industry. So Evan said, look, don't worry about that. Like I've got like a, a beach bar kind of up in this place called Mangafire, hour and a half north. I've got a courtyard. You can chuck your coffee machine in it and just come up and do a summer and, and just wait out the 18 months that you've got the restrainer trade. We came up and did a summer up here and we were blown away. Like it, it was, it was awesome, man. Like just the vibe and the people, the community, all of the things that you look for when you're looking towards a new town. Had it a was, good energy. Had a good energy about it. There was this established older community that lived around it. But then as soon as summer came about, just this vibrant pop of energy comes and it was just, so we did the summer and then, we actually then, at that stage, we were kind of under uh, the freehouse's kind of his his coffee shop, and that was what we had agreed on. And then we kind of thought, well, we kind of like it here because our full intention was after we sold that business was that we go into a summer, wait wait out the restraint of trade, and then we'll go back to Auckland and we'll we'll invest all our money that we sold the business on to into a cafe somewhere in Auckland. But after spending a summer up here, we're like, well, actually, the lifestyle is pretty nice. Like, I think a lot of people do that. They yeah, visit here and they go, hang on, hang on a minute. Like, is this a plausible decision? It's like you know, we get to go surfing or kite surfing. We can go fishing. We can enjoy all the things of living in a, a tropical area and still earn money in the profession that we're in. Like, we need to dive deep into this. the warmth of community as well yeah. was definitely a big one. It was, and I think it's got bigger and like the, I guess, 
being a part of the community has just felt bigger and bigger the longer we've been here as well. So you did something with that. You decided you want to stay and you found this place, which I think at the time was a computer and photocopy shop. It was. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, exactly. That. A computer printer. We've still got the, and we purposely left them like the, the printing marks or like the computer copier machine marks on the concrete, which were proudly left there. And you guys, did, you guys did a lot of the work in converting it yourself from what people could see from the outside, certainly. It was- yeah. Yeah, bang on the nail. Like, as, aside from the actual framing to make sure that I didn't build a wall that was going to fall on someone, we had a, a very good friend, not at the time, but they have just gone into a beautiful relationship, a good friend of ours, Craig Wallet, who's a very, very, very skilled builder who just, the ideas that he threw at us, like, honestly, if we had an unlimited budget to throw at this place, this place would just be ridiculous. <laughs> like, especially coming from it, uh, like... Because he's not in hospitality, so like some of the ideas that he had were like, "Craig, that is out the gate." But like, there's a part of me that wants to do it. <laughs> we just. I remember, I remember coming down here through here one day, and you were standing outside with a blowtorch, burning wood. That was my job. It was your... <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, most of our walls. So, so Craig did the framing to make sure that they were all, you know, like they were, they were structurally sound. But all of the aesthetics that you see when you come into the place have all been done by myself and Anna. A lot of it is what you'll see is a shoshugi barn, which is a, um, an ancient Japanese technique of preserving wood. And that's why like a lot of the temples in Japan you see are black because they actually burn it to what they call like a dragon skin. Then they scrub it back and then they just leave it with a tongue oil or something like that. But what it does is just accentuates the beautiful wood grain of the wood, which is really warming and gives a nice texture and... Yeah, to be honest, it's... Um, it's just evolved. It's just evolved. It to start with as well, it was... By doing it ourselves, it, it saved a lot of money. So by painting and building and building the tables, doing what we could allowed us to open, essentially. It was, yeah. And it was a, I don't, I don't know if it was an, not ignorant or like, it, in hindsight, I see that that was actually a really good choice to do. But at the time, it was, we didn't want to expand. And that's why we took a year to kind of open up the evenings is because Whatever we did, we wanted to do really well. And this is our first kind of restaurant, air quote, if you can't, you obviously can't see my hands, first restaurant that we had properly done. So we wanted to make sure that each step of the way, we had our full attention and our full capacity to do the best that we could on each of the elements of the business. So although there was, you know, like, it was really hard to, especially in the first kind of six months to a year, oh, when are you guys open up for business? Uh, when are you guys going to open up for evenings? When are you going to be able to do this and that? And Every part of you is like, I want to do it now, but we just That's, know that. Yeah, managing um, expectations. Managing expectations and just knowing that what we want to do, we want to do it really well. So I guess, you know, mainland said it right, good things take time. Yeah. <laughs> How would you describe the menu? I, it's kind of a, an interesting one. I find there's quite a, a healthy kind of natural vibe to the menu, but also a few hints like in the decor of Japanese a little bit in there as well. How would you describe the menu? Well, originally, I mean, when we first opened, we literally just had a cabinet and Anna, who's had no chefing experience, was in the kitchen doing all of the cabinet food. Huge respect to chefs. Yeah. Oh, it's a hard job. (laughs) (laughs) And we, the ideology was that, man, I, I just want food that people can come in and they leave feeling better than they did than when they arrived. And that was kind of the, just the, the first idea of what we wanted to create. But then we, as the business evolved and as we started to understand is that 
actually, you know, if I've had a few drinks the night before and sometimes a good chicken burger is what makes, what fills my soul and what I want to feel good. So it's been really important for us to find that. I will admit that. to have had a couple of those, you know, yeah. in my time. It's us, uh, yeah, that's why there's bacon in the Bloody Mary. <laughs> <laughs> it's also having food that is, I guess, not only wholesome, but it's choosing as where we can locally. Yeah, that's definitely a big one, isn't it? Like local quality and that kind of then evolves into a, a menu that way. Now let's talk the coffee because it is important. I did a bit of a head count on the way up and I think there's like 15 or 16 places in Mangawai you can get a flat white. Wow. Are we a bit over coffeeed? Or do we just really love coffee in Mangawai? <laughs> Everyone loves coffee. There's no doubt about that. And myself as well, Rich, like there's definitely a lot of places that I've popped up that are doing coffee as well. There's a difference. Like there really is. Like I, like even in our menu as well, like what a lot of people don't understand is that the the coffee beans that we source and a lot of other people do as well, like coffee doesn't grow naturally in New Zealand. So any coffee, even if it's on the lowest grade, any coffee that makes its way into New Zealand has been cultivated on a farm that takes years to get even sellable and then it's been through a whole bunch of process, processes and been handled by many professionals to finally arrive, to then be handcrafted in front of you and in the coffee machine. There's also people that, at the end of the day, caffeine is a drug that people need to utilise in the morning to get them going. And some people care for the, the flavours and all the things that go with it, and some people literally just want to use it as a tool to get them up in the morning and... As soon as I, as a barista that is very passionate about the farmers that are making these things that I can create a lifestyle from, the sooner I can come to terms with that, the easier it is too. And you treat it as a bit of a science here too. I and mean, I've seen you standing there with your thermometers and your... Absolutely. Uh, like it, it backs on to what I said. Like it's those beans have traveled and a lot of work has gone on to get those beans to where they are. So like it's it's my responsibility and duty that I pay respect to the person that helped grow them that I present it in the best possible way like when it comes down into that cup in front of you man it's traveled for thousands of miles it's been through like lots of different hands of professionals and you're its final destination like it you know don't stumble at the finish line (laughs) that's what I've learned a lot from you as well and from the industry itself is just the the science and the technicality behind it the weighing shots, the, yeah, just everything that goes into making that little cup of coffee, there's a lot to it. The biggest thing that really kind of hits home with me is that the coffee has come from commodity where it was traded like oil and it wasn't, didn't really have much value. But in recent years is what they call the third wave of coffee, air quote, is that now it's classed as an artisan food stuff. So it's a specialty item. And we've come from such a low price point, but the reality of it is is that these coffee beans have been through a very similar process to what a wine grape does to when they're making a a glass of wine. And, you know, like at at any bar, you could go and pay $10 to $15 for a glass of wine and no one will ever bat an eyelid. And literally the bartender literally pours it from the bottle. Every single coffee is literally ground based on the humidity of the day to get the perfect coffee shot out. So it's literally made to spec in front of you and anything more than five dollars and people lose their and it's like well actually it's also a drug like alcohol and it's yeah there's the the price of coffee is hugely devalued but we're coming from as i said it was once classed as a 
just a commodity. So we kind of, you know, it's really hard to try and build that up again. You told me something that I found was interesting one day, and that was about the water here. So I gather you're one of the lucky people in Mangawa who's on groundwater as opposed one to of the, on One of the water. 17, yeah. Yep, yep. And you're saying the chemistry behind it is really good for making coffee? It is, yeah. So the Specialty Coffee Association deem that 150 parts per million, and this is t- talking about the the mineral content that makes up the water, and that's, and that's essentially what all is. So when the water passes through the coffee... It's all the little minerals that pull out these dissolvable solids and that's what you get in the coffee. Like even an espresso shot is 95% water. We're really fortunate that the water here is about 120 parts per million. So we're able to extract really good. 150 is the absolute perfect. You took the slightly controversial move a while back to to ditch paper cups. How's that system going with your your metal Return love cups. It. You love it? Love it. More than I expected, yep. to be honest. And it's been perceived better than we expected. Yeah. It was <laughs> it, it was it was spurred it was spurred from this. So there's a, a cafe in Sydney called Singalo. If you're in Sydney, go check them out in Surrey Hills. Won't be for a while. Won't be when they Won't be for a while. Wear your mask and do, do your shots and all that kind of stuff. But uh, and they were just a kiosk and they uh, given they are in a, a CBD area and but they as a takeaway joint they got rid of all single use cups. So literally, if you don't have your own cup, you're not going to get a coffee from them. And it was kind of that realization of like, no, you know what? Like us as we are providers of these things, and we need to set the trends. It's up to us as the business owners to go, no, you know what, like, this is how the drink needs to be served now. And the more the realization of New Zealand's industry is that we don't have the infrastructure to compost all of these things down. It's, we've missed the boat on recycling, we've missed the boat on composting, our only option is to reuse. How many haven't come back? I've been talking closely with David from, uh, he's the CEO and the founder of Again Again, which is the system that we use. And nationally, so we first saw Again Again down in Wanaka and a Wanaka officially cup, single-use cup free. And we just thought, well, actually, if Wanaka can do it, Mangafar can. Yeah, Wanaka, we're going to beat you. The straw. <laughs> well, that was, well, that was the straw that's like, well, if they can, like, Mangafar definitely can. Like, it, it's so, so possible. And from... Our observation over the summer, my estimate was like maybe four or five percent, like out of the you know the people that came. In, oh, I no, I want a cup, and then they just storm out and do their own thing. I would say it's probably around two to three percent at Max. tops. Max. And the thing is, like we we're very sustainable conscious, and we we are really trying to do all the things that we can to negate our negative impact on the environment. And the thing is, if if they're not if they're upset that we don't have these single-use cups, there's probably a whole bunch of other stuff that we do that they're not going to be happy about. So it, it's, I... This is a tricky part. We, you, guys, uh, you guys probably kind of sort of missed the controversy around Maz and the... Uh, and the uh, no, we were here for that. Oh, we were here for that. There are some details that I don't yeah. want to go into on that yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> No, like the thing is, like, if if you're upset about that, then they're probably the not. And I and really do I want to turn away customers, but for the sake of them having a better day and us not dealing with people's difficulties, I would rather them go get a coffee somewhere else. Because if if they're upset about that, there's probably a ton of other stuff that they're going to be upset about as well. And I like to be honest, I want I want people to come and enjoy ethos. I want to attract people that want to, you know, like we. 
Caroline. I saw this T-shirt once and it said, let's start treating this planet like we intend on staying. And <laughs> couldn't be like, yeah, we probably should. And as we said, they've got 14 other options. It's <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's... Um, now, yeah. now, if we talk about this, this area here in, in the Wood Street area, I mean, Wood Street's gone through a lot of change in the last few years, the, the roading layout, the new car parking, which, well, controversial, I love. <laughs> Never failed to get a car park since it's been changed around. Next door, you've got the team from Gringers moving in. Yeah. And there, I think there's talk of a twilight market and so forth and that, and that focusing on food too. Are you, are you guys hoping the Heads is really going to become a bit more of a dining area? Because I know historically kind of people have migrated towards the village to eat at night. Yeah. But you want them staying up here, obviously? Absolutely. Like this, uh, and especially like being aware that Mangafar Central was going in, the we need to create this as a cultural hub, is that... Obviously, down at the central, you're going to have all your main utilities of where people need to go get all their things. But the night when you want to go out and have a nice wine or you want to go and wine and dine and hang out with some friends, like the Heads needs to be the place for it. Like think Tuba Street in Wellington where it's just like there's a whole bunch of venues out, there's live music, and there's just this Do we get the, a bucket fountain as well? energy. A bucket what? Do we get a bucket fountain as well? Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> and I think more, more food places brings more people. Yeah. So it's, I, I definitely don't see it as competition at all. It's, I think it just creates vibe in an area. Yeah. I think as long as each vendor sticks true to what their goal is and focusing on the food that they want to do and what they're passionate about, it will be a success. When we first took on this lease, because before and it was uh, the Samba and the computer and printing shop, this wasn't a desired place to come and kind of hang out. And a lot of people said like, oh, are you sure you want that lease that's off the main road and kind of out of view? I think and... I was one of the people that said that. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll admit to being wrong. And my experience, every single like good cafe that I've been to is down some stupid alleyway that I really have to hunt out. And to be honest, it's worked in our favor because then the people that do find us and they enjoy what we what we do, they're the ones that are going to be like, hey, tell a friend, hey, I, this place, that you'll love it. It's, it, it's you know, it's, on the backside, but if you find it, it's absolutely amazing. And now we have the advantage, especially with uh, the new landlord that is investing like uh, all much, a lot of his time and money into the infrastructure of it. This is going to be a rad place, man. He's built a stage for live music. And again, when, when Gringers opens up, Evenings here is going to be such a jam, man. Like live music, we've got some keeler and tacos. And over the side, we've got some tuppers and like fine wine. That is awesome. And that's that, a summer evening for me. That is, that is an, that's an exciting way to look at how this summer is going to be. Thank you guys so much for talking to us. This is, I think, by the time we get to it, the first interview on the, on the Mangafai show. Really appreciate you guys for uh, giving us the time to, uh, to tell us about your history and this, this really cool business. Oh, thanks for inviting us Thanks for having us, us Rich. Absolute pleasure. You. What a great couple. I hope you enjoyed that interview and I hope you've enjoyed the show overall. Thanks for, for joining us and listening through the first episode of The Mangafai Show. If you've liked this, please do like, rate and subscribe it wherever you're listening to it. Also head over to The Mangafai Show Facebook page and join us there. We'll post a little bit of uh, stuff in between episodes and uh, also it'll be the first place we'll let you know when a new episode is coming. So uh, we will catch you in a couple of weeks time. We're going to try and go fortnightly initially, maybe weekly later on. If you've got any feedback on the show or you want to send us even an audio message to put on the show, then uh, don't hesitate to contact through that Facebook page or email me, richard at themangafishow.co.nz. 